Welcome to episode 173 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I am Greg Bois. And in this episode, Dan, we're not angry, we're just disappointed. And I'm going to take us to a journey to the centre of the Earth. On a, on a journey. On a, I'm both to and on a journey to the centre of the Earth. And this is an important brief from the Squid Finder General. But first, Dan, do you have a This Week in Science? I do. I do. I thought I'd give you an update on my garden's soul patch. <laughs> okay. So about five months ago, I mentioned on the podcast that I'd left a patch of the lawn to sort of grow what's it called farrow no fallow fallow so we just yeah, just let it go mm. and so i thought i'd give you a bit of an update on what's happened there the bush turkeys have seemed to like it like they've mm-hmm. been visiting the yard a lot we've mentioned them a couple of times yes uh, yes and they they the bush turkeys a bit skittish and so if ever they get a bit worried by us they'll run behind the, the grass which is you mm. know like waist high uh, so they're, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we want to put that between us and danger. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I threw some flower and vegetable seeds in there, mm-hmm. all completely outcompeted by the grass. <laughs> and probably eaten by the bush turkeys. Very possibly. It did create a refuge for the grasshoppers. There are now plenty of grasshoppers, which means plenty of food for the magpies. Ooh. Unfortunately, it's so successful as a refuge that they are able to take refuge from the magpies. <laughs> Okay, then they come out and they eat my lime tree. Uh, the frog princess never changed her attitude towards the project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Continues Still very happy. Very against oh, science. Mm. <laughs> um, and when it came time to remove it, this turned out to be almost impossible. Oh, my goodness. I've had to get the mower up on on the two side wheels to do the first trim. It's like it's like when you go to uh, like a like a state fair type thing or our exhibition mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they they have the the stunt car drivers who get up on two side wheels. So I'm doing that with like blades coming off the back. Mm-hmm. It's very Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Cirque, Cirque du Soleil meets uh, the Joker. Yeah, that's kind. Yeah, very knives so. and death, and but still, still interesting. Yeah, good. Okay, and it cuts the grass right down to its stalk. So instead of having lovely, bright, thick green grass, it is now brown, stumpy, and white, and looks super scummy. Mm. And I still have four square meters to mow, but I'm slowly whittling it down with each time that I mow. Why don't you hire a goat? Uh, well, I did look into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you can hire goats to, mm. to uh, and and it's really good for if you need to keep vegetation down on like quite a rocky slope or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the goats are pretty cheap to hire, but you also have to hire a shepherd. Oh, right. Or the okay. goats will just fuck right off. <laughs> They're well known for it. And yes. you 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 basically have to hire someone for three days to while while the goats just eat. And they just yes. sit around. I'm not paying someone to sit in their ass and watch goats eat. That's your job. God, I wish it was my job. Should I be a shepherd? I might be a shepherd. You could be. Well, how, why you could be like a shepherd's shepherd? You could just sit out your window and go. Still watching the goats there, Shep? And they're like, yes, sir. Well done. Uh, I'm like land, landed gentry. You own land, so you know you, that's the next step up is to have have people working your land. Imagine how embarrassed you'd be if your shepherd got taken by wolves, though. So what happened to you this week in science? I went down a bit of a study hole 
in in the last podcast, the Wild Wonders Why, we were talking to Dr. Joel Gilmore about renewable energy and shutting down power plants. It's a it's a it's worth a listen to if I do say so myself. Had a lot of lovely feedback about it. But I made an offhand comment at one point saying, Oh well, why don't why doesn't Australia just create a lot of solar power and then have a Bitcoin farm and just Farm Bitcoin, hooray! And with all this free energy, just like Iceland does, mm-hmm. Iceland, and and so it was just a throwaway concept, and you know, a bit of a, bit of a funny slash serious thing. But I, then I I decided, well, is that something that we could do? And I was interested for the podcast. How does it work, and how would we do it? And is it something you know could we actually start doing it? So maybe smart enough industries could start their own data mining with solar power or something like that. I don't know. I didn't know where it was going to go, and. Solar power. Yes, uh, we, we, I mean that's that's pretty high tech for people who get around in a coal powered blimp. It's true. Well, actually, it's not even coal power so much. Or that that's all broken down. <laughs> Anywho, so I did some research into all this, and I was just I was a bit freaked out that the first up, I didn't realize how much energy is actually consumed by Bitcoin. Not not even it's just Bitcoins. It's not Ethereum. Not Dogecoin. Just Bitcoin. So the m- farming of Bitcoin consumes more electricity than the entire con- per year than the entire country of Argentina. So that's a lot of energy. Okay, that's that is a butt ton of energy. And you go, well, it's fine. That's you know, as long as it's all wonderfully green sourced, who cares? Yeah. But of well, course, it's- the problem there though is that. If you've got green energy, green energy is not free energy. You've still got to have resources to have solar panels. And the idea is that those solar panels should be offsetting coal burning. So if you're, us- well, if you're using your yes. solar panels to mine Bitcoin instead of offset coal and replace coal, then you've still got – you may as well is- just be burning coal. Yes. You are, well, uh, yeah, I guess you're using more – you're generating money out of using a resource such in this case, not the energy but the actual solar panels, which is a problem. I see what you're saying, yes. But what's worse than that is when I looked more into how it all works, we won't go in, into the whole blockchain, which things like Bitcoin run on, but very quickly, blockchain is like an open ledger that you have peer-to-peer sharing. Mm-hmm. So it stops people from – so I can't go and change the ledger. I go, I give Dan one Australian dollar. And then to stop Dan going in there and erasing it and going 10 Australian dollars, that ledger – and this is very simplistic. Please don't write in. That, that ledger is peer-to-peer shared with everyone on the network mm-hmm. so that Dan can't just change his. He'd have to change them all. And mm-hmm. that keeps – and there's other levels of security, but that's what stops – that's what keeps it honest. Yeah. It's distributed. Thank you, yes. And if Dan does change it, then other ones, like 9 million others would go, no, 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 it wasn't 10, it was 1, and we can see where the problem arose, which mm. is Dan's kind Great of Great security. Me. Yeah, so it's, it's a good idea. Now, of course, it's because it's distributed. This is why I hadn't realized that every time you change anything in the blockchain, so you do any sort of transaction, it's not just you on yours changes. It's on everyone's computer. So there are changes happening all around the world on every ledger in time quite quickly. Well, they try and slow it down, but it happens quite quickly around the world. And this means that all these computers are running cycles of the, basically using energy up hmm. and using resources to change the blockchain. Okay, cool. That's, so you go, uh, that's how it can be suddenly Argentina levels of power around the world being used for Bitcoin. What's more scary than that is... Every time you do a single transaction, and this is sorry, this is for Ethereum, not for Bitcoin, but supposedly Bitcoin is worse than this. 
if you every time that you transact with ethereum this 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 bitcoin equivalent it takes about 35 kilowatt hours of energy to for, to change it around the world on the ledgers on the bitcoin ledgers to give you put that into perspective that's equivalent to roughly what a european resident would use electricity wise in four days yep that sounds about right so I, every I, time we do that in three days Australians do actually use slightly more, and Americans use a lot more than that, but we won't, we won't go there. So you're using your daily – four days – every time you're like, I buy one Ethereum, I sell one Ethereum, I transact Ethereum, Bitcoin is worse. Okay, that's fine. But how much carbon dioxide – this is where I fell off my chair. This freaked me out. A single mouse click of the average Ethereum transaction use, uh, creates around the world 20 kilograms of CO2. So 20 kilograms of CO2. And you go, well, what does what does that mean? Like, who, who knows what that means, okay? So an average – when you send an average email, it, it will produce roughly a few grams of CO2. If you watch one hour of Netflix, it will produce about 36 grams of CO2. So one click of one, in this case, cryptocurrency, creates 20 kilograms of CO2. That's nuts. Let's just go into how bad this is because there's no way of getting around how bloody awful this is. One Bitcoin transaction is equivalent to close to three quarters of a million uses of a credit card, Visa credit card. So every transaction on Bitcoin, three quarters of a million. And every year, the carbon footprint from Bitcoin, which is worse than Ethereum, is 37 million tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. It's a lot worse than Ethereum. It's, it's 200 a, times worse than Ethereum. There you go. None of this is good, though, Dan. None of this is good. I, I, I have a feeling, hang on, I, I have a feeling that you have Ethereum. Do you have Ethereum? Are you trying to, do you have, a, do you have stocks I should know about? I do not uh, have Ethereum. <laughs> I have huge concerns about the environmental impact of this stuff. And it's, wouldn't, and also... The financial benefit, like uh, the the, uh, the volatility in a, of it. Yeah, uh, it's it's stupid. It's yeah, but that's a different thing again. The good part of cryptocurrency, the, people didn't develop cryptocurrency in order to get a bunch of money and then cash out early. People made mm. cryptocurrency because they wanted a currency that was separate to governments of the world. Yeah, and that was distributed and to buy, that buy has, drugs that has a lot of well. You can use cash to buy drugs as well. You can't sit there and say, oh, well, Bitcoin, you can use it for crime because all crime is about moving money around. It's much easier to commit crime with, with uh, cryptocurrency than it is with actual any other currencies. The ability for criminals to use that is the same thing that allows people in third world countries where the governments and their currencies are all a bit messed up. It allows them to sell digital services and get paid a global rate rather than having... Uh, being restricted to um, sure to issues with unless money. unless the Bitcoin goes up or down by ten times the value between you saying yes it'll cost you a hundred American dollars in Bitcoin and then you get it and it's worth jack crap nothing or the other way that it's just increased by ten times value and you're the richest person in in your country now like it's it, it's yeah, not well this, this is the volatility of creating a new currency digitally um, yeah. the idea behind it is that that volatility will settle down because mm. uh, the, the reason that it has value is because it is limited and it's limited and, and the reason it costs so much money to make, like uh, so much electricity mm. you to make, is to make it limited because if it, mm. if it wasn't hard to make, then it wouldn't be limited. 
Um, but what it means is that you can only make money on Bitcoin by someone else losing money on Bitcoin. It feels like it's about making money, but this mm. isn't stock trading. This is a currency. What a, cu- a currency should be about being able to have faith in that currency and trade goods and services for it. Yep. So it's not about making money or losing money. It's about mm. having money and spending money. I feel the original idea of Bitcoin has become different to what exists now, which is not a actual currency. It's a way of creating wealth and quickly speculating. That's just my opinion. Hmm. Well, like there are lots of things that are great ideas in theory, like hmm. communism. Communism. Um, <laughs> fall down when you, when humans get yes, into the yeah, mix. He, humans are gross, yeah. Uh, I think that the the, 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 the idea of these uh, currencies, I've, I've completely changed my tune um, <laughs> in, in like four days. But the idea is is great and could actually benefit humanity. Yeah, the difficulty is that for any c- currency to exist, you need to have uh, enormous amount of resources have to go into it. So lots of people got rich at Eureka or the California gold rush because they were digging up the gold, but then the gold became the currency. And so people got rich making the currency, but then the currency existed and it worked for hundreds of years. I think that, I know you say it's more nuanced, but it is terrifying to me that you get a new thing. It is a big CO2 emitter that is not looked at like a CO2 emitter. I mean, most things aren't people. If you have a coal power plant, that's, that's, you can we can governments are starting to go either shut them down or let's tax the hell out of them so you you have to clean up your mess bitcoin is not let's not let's not blame bitcoin blockchain is not mm. and dogecoin is not so it's not being treated like an actual emitter of carbon and we're forgetting of that is actually doing a, a major negative whilst people are making a lot of money that can be said about a lot of things but it is totally ignored when it comes to cryptocurrencies especially one thing I've noticed is that my Twitter feed has been absolutely on fire with people, with half of them arguing with the other half. Most of those people have no idea what they're talking about. The fact that we're, we're actually like disagreeing on stuff uh, goes to show that it's not black and white and that there oh, are probably absolutely. lots of benefits and lots of negatives mm-hmm. and we we don't currently have the ability to tally those up and figure out which one's the bigger pile. No, I agree with that. I think that the conversation that we had then about disagreeing is good and people should disagree about things because then you're looking at it. And I just want people to look at it. At the end of the day, I don't want to be right. I want people to look at cryptocurrency and go, is this bad? Is this bad, everyone? I have a sneaky suspicion, like all levels of capitalism, it's a bit crap. Oh, listen to Gregoire. What are you going to you, you gonna stop eating meat next? <laughs> you're going to stop driving a car. <laughs> well, you're not. You're, you're going to you're going to forgo the opportunity to have children, are you? <laughs> I would like a new debating partner, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit out. I'm a bit outmatched here. <laughs> you step up to the woke. <laughs> hey, Dan. Hello. Come on in, take a seat. Uh, take a seat, champ. Uh oh. I'd like to have oh, a. I, I don't, oh, this sounds. This sounds like impro retribution. I'd like to have a. I'd like to have a little chat to you there, Slugger. Yeah, yeah. What can I do for you, Mister? So, um, oh, you can just call me Greg. So, what, what else would you, Mister? Mister Wah. Yeah, that's fine. Look, uh, look, sport. 
Uh, me and uh, the Eric. Sport, you see, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's already a status at play, Mister One. <laughs> Look, calm down, Buckaroo. All right, we're fine. Just, I don't need any of your lip right now. Thank you very much. Sorry, sir. No, not so stupid. Just Greg's fine. What, what's with the sir rubbish, Sparky? Come on. <laughs> Sparky. Now look. What's up? It sounds like something is on your chest. Yeah, look, look, look. Just let me speak, son. Yeah. I just like to have a chat to you about this. Uncle Eric from Patreon City and I are uh, – look, he's he just wanted me to tell you that he's not angry. He's just disappointed. Oh, here we go. Look, look, just, Skippy. These, these patrons, they, they just – they won't shut up about their complaints. No, oh, you're not pronouncing my name properly. Look, come on, Slick. Actually, that's the only complaint over and over again. Slick, just – just we understand, Uncle Eric from Patreon and mm-hmm. I, we understand that you're, you've reached a certain age and there are changes happening in your body. We, we get this. Like the, and, you, and maybe mm-hmm. for things like your testosterone is getting a bit lower and it's changing – your estrogen is still changing around and you're getting hair in interesting places like, you know, like in your ears and in your nose and that sort of stuff. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's all happening. It all checks out. And you're, and you're starting to play out a bit. You're starting to, you know, you to, to test your bonds in this society. And, you, and look, we understand that. So that's why I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at you, Jack. Uh, just, Should you be angry at me? I don't, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm more worried. I just, okay. wanted, to talk, I just wanted to talk this out with you. Okay, because I'm going to double down on whatever, whatever it is that's coming down the pipe. Look, look, champ, you just need to... You just need to just listen to me and maybe we'll learn together and, and we'll have a bit of a rap session, you and I, and we can, you know, maybe get through this. So let's not have enough of your lip for the moment. Let's just, let's just, you know, let's just show some respect to each other. Sparky, well, come on. sit here and quietly listen. Now, I'd like you to listen and not plot your revenge. That's, there's a difference. Do you mm-hmm. understand the difference? Well, it, it's, it's only revenge after I find out. This is called prevenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stretch. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Now, Uncle Eric was a little bit upset when you started talking out of turn last time. You're all full of your own testosterone, all about how space was rubbish and how that basically space just ruins everything and science just ruins things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he got in contact with me and he just went, he just wanted me to have this little chat to you Mm -hmm. and talk about what space has done for you, champ, not just for all the rest of us, but like for all of us, like just just for you as well. So I'd just like to run through a few things that space has done for you specifically. Okay. Skippy? Okay. All right. Okay. You wear glasses. I'm looking at you right now. You've got those glasses to help your vision. Mm-hmm. Are they scratch-resistant lenses there, uh, Jack? No. No. Uh, well. They're not even it, glass. They just I got some rocks and polished them up. Don't look. No, look. Look, sport. That's that's that lip I was worrying I just about. Lined up the atoms, and they got, went transparent. Anyway, yeah. Look, this this is what I'm talking about. This is the attitude that that Uncle Eric from Patreon finds finds so disappointing. Okay, okay. I do. I did buy some new glasses. Yeah, buy some new sunglasses, and they are scratch resistant. Right. Yeah. Well, that was developed. Thank you. The diamond hard coating was designed for aerospace systems that basically were turned into the glasses that you use every day of your life. That was. Connected directly to the space race, all right? Yeah, no, all right. my life would be substantially less pleasant without those scratch-resistant lenses. Hey, uh, uh, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for coming along on that on a little journey there. That's really appreciated. Now, you're, a, you're like a tech boffin, aren't you, Skippy? Like, oh, you're, yeah, you're like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like a computer guy. Oh, and you do- I'm all up to speed on the, on the bits and the bytes. 
You you sure are, mate. Now, so an LED, you know, light emitting diode. Oh, sure, I love them, love them. I couldn't go through it. Like, oh, my monitor is like literally like hundreds of thousands of them, possibly millions. That, that's that's right. So you're definitely millions, so, actually, definitely million, millions, millions of go. LEDs. It's brilliant. That's right. Couldn't get by well, without them. I'm just going to point out that red LEDs were actually developed by NASA to basically help grow plants and heal humans basically on Earth. We're actually developed by NASA for space development for medical NASA. devices. NASA, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with the acronym. <laughs> that, that, once again, you, you, you're very clever, but really, how, where's that got you, Dan? Where's that got you, really? Are you happy with that? Are you happy with being no, clever? No. 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 You know how else? You know, I just feel a lot of shame. You know uh, who else isn't happy? Eric. Eric's not happy. No, Eric, he's disappointed. He he's disappointed. a smart ass. <laughs> so, people with their legs blown off, Dan. People with their legs blown Jesus, off. that escalated quickly. Now, I had did, nothing to like, do with that. Did you, do you like the fact that people get their legs blown off in I, war, I, Dan, I, and I all don't. the civilians? I don't. No, no. It's well, real actually, tragic. NASA had to use surplus rocket fuel to produce a flare that can safely destroy landmines, stopping innocent civilians and children, Dan, mm. children from losing legs. Are we going to talk about the benefits for the, for, for the community from warfare development, like in the, like the, the military, the, the, the benefits of the military? Those same people who are blowing legs off people are also developing stuff like microwave technology that helps us heat out. We're not... No, no, just space stuff today? Okay. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Look, um, look slick. I'm just I trying think... to, I'm just trying to come to the party. I'm not trying to be smart. Uh, look, no, look, look, I, look, I understand. I understand, buddy. I understand that you're trying to help there. I will say, I think you're being a little bit clever there, but that's fine. That's, I, no, look, no, I'm... clever's not in my dog. I don't know what the word clever means. I'm just going to, I just went quiet then and let you talk yourself out there, boy. That's what I did. That's fine. So, uh, you like that. You like to, um, keep your feet all nice and clean and you don't like getting bunions on them and 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 blisters you know you're not into blisters are you a blister boy do you like blisters blisters are weakness leaving the body i have been getting blisters i've been walking every you, day there you go well blisters, blisters mean i've done a good job well that's there you go well athletic shoes were developed on spacesuit construction technology developed by nasa no don't hold with them i use deck shoes boat deck shoes sh <laughs> right they got no there's no arch support at all it's, I, I'm doing it like that just makes me harder. Right. No, My it's bones good. are getting bunions. You know, when you go to the doctor, they're uh, slugger. And uh, remember in the back oh, of the I, day. I, it happens a lot. Yeah, that's right. You know, when they <laughs> used to. drop of a hat, I'll go to they, the doctor. They used to, stick a, they used to stick a thermometer right up your rectum to check your temperature, to get your core temperature. And that was, that, was an un, that was unpleasant, wasn't it? I've never had that happen to me. Oh, you just blanked it out there, boy. That's, 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 uh, it happened to you a lot. I've never had a thermometer up the jacksy. Oh, look, 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 it's, it's okay. It's just you, me, and, and our four listeners. It's perfectly fine. Like, you don't have to be afraid. It's fine. Do, now, do, who's your doctor? Because I don't want to go to your doctor. This is not about me. This is about you. So, NASA, NASA uses infrared astronomy technology. You know, the stuff I love? Yeah, that stuff. Basically, to measure the amount of energy emitted by the eardrum as an ear thermometer. So, no more up the jacksy. None of that. Just in your ear. Boom. Temperature, no problem at all. I all just tell them what my temperature is. I know what my temperature is. I can feel how hot I am. That's not that's not how it works. You know, come on, don't be don't be silly. That's just you just you just speaking. Oh oh, here's one. Here's one. Here's mm. one. 
Here's one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sport. Here's a good one. You, you said you'd like the what? You like the bits and the bites on the oh, and the yeah, ones no, in the really series. Oh, really? Big into tech? Yeah. 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 Well, do you like to? I mean, you don't use touch screens, do you? In this age of COVID, you don't. I mean, you well, don't do that. I've, I've you, got an iPad. Well, you know, yeah, but that's not a real. That's not an actual. You don't. You don't work on your iPad, do you? Not. Not. Not mostly. No. So no. 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 You keyboard. don't. <gasps> Did NASA make keyboards? Well, well, no, but, uh, but but you only use a keyboard, so you just use AWSD. I don't actually know what you do for a living, so you know I'm assuming you just play games. Yeah, I'm playing Doom. <laughs> Look, it's a it's Twitch is a thing, <laughs> but you know, do you input all your data using that keyboard? What else do you use? What else do you use? Their stretch. I've got a I've got a Syntac tablet where I got an electronic pen. Yep. That in. I've got a, a webcam, so I could. Yep. I can actually. In fact, I could control my phone by just looking around. I installed That's a program that allows me to just look around, and it can eye tracking. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. I think that, that's, that's, it. that's it. Microphone tech. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Look, slugger. I think you're once again you're playing me a little bit, and I, I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate your lip. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. That's rude of me. Oh, I've got a trackball. It's a trackball. Oh god, he does too. Yeah, she has a trackball. Yeah. What is wrong with you? I mean, I mean, no, let's let's talk this way. You, you know, I'm talking about computer mouse. Come on, computer come on. mouse. Oh, pfft. yes. Only 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 laymen use computer mice. I I'm a coder. I just use a keyboard. I'm a Vim man. Well, anyway, if you're using a mouse, you failed as a coder. Well, I'm, I'm not a coder. I use a mouse. I'm using a mouse right now. And I'm and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I, I don't mind. And I'm pretty certain there are a lot of people like me out there who are proud to use a mouse. And that mouse was developed in the 1960s by a NASA researcher who was trying to get more interactive with computers directly from NASA. Look, I could go on wireless headsets. Like, you look, you got a wireless head. Oh no, it's got wires on there. You got an even worse version. Wireless headsets, memory foam, the jaws of life, getting people out of cars, all developed from the space race. Home insulation. How about this one, Dan? How about this one, Skippy? Mm-hmm. Dust busters, cordless. <laughs> Suck devices. Cordless suck vacuums? Thank you. Yeah, vacuum. that's it. You're, you're talking about how important space is and you forgot yep. the word vacuum. That's right. Look, look. I, I look, can't help but feel that you're, a, you're, you're missing crucial lexicon for this just, conversation, sir. I would like to point out, that, that, none of this is rubbish. I, I'd just like to point out, just like a fish doesn't have a word for water, I <laughs> have a word for vacuum. Thank you very much. And I don't abhor vacuums. I just abhor you right now. That's too harsh. That was too harsh. I'm sorry. Yeah. So dustbusters were developed with Black & Decker to create that technology. So I'm not going to go on. We could go on all day. There's lots of other technology. I just want to put cat scans, Dan. Camera phones. You like nothing more than taking a cheeky dick pic. And... <laughs> sorry. You like nothing more than taking a cheeky selfie and just sending it to someone else. Well, you know. Mostly dick pics. Mostly, sure. One third of all cameras contain technology developed by the Jet Propulsion Lab, Dan. The people that sent... More than that contain dick pics. (laughs) The people who sent the built the uh, Perseverance rover. So just me and your Uncle Eric from Patreon City really want you just to... Look, you don't have to love space, but just respect space, Dan. That's all I ask for you, okay? Okay, Sparky? Yes, sir. All right, I'm glad we had this conversation. So, uh, so, so what technology can we thank dinosaurs for? Oil? It's just oil, oil and oil. oil. Yeah, oil and coal. Yeah. Hooray.
Have you ever heard the thought experiment of building a tunnel through the earth and jumping in it, and 42 minutes later, you'd pop out the other end and come to a complete stop? Uh, I have heard the concept, yes. Yes. And and no matter where you wherever you dug the hole, not right through the centre of the earth, wherever you put that hole, it would always take 42 minutes to get through due to the lesser force of gravity pulling on different parts at different times. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to have a frictionless edge, though. So you'd, yes, of be course. A slide, otherwise, like it'd be yes. a very rough slide. Yeah, <laughs> you would. But whatever fell out the other side wouldn't be very uh, Dan shaped. No, yeah. it'd be more more well, of a Dan slurry. There are so many issues here. So the Earth is below you; it's pulling you down. Yeah, we're all on and, the same page and, here, and you're pulling it up with the same energy, same force. But hmm, yes. Am I? Yep. Well, Good because on me. Like, oh, if man, you, what, a, what an upbeat idea. What a spiritually you, uplifting let's, concept. Let's think about it for a moment, because if you didn't, then if you if the world was pulling on you harder than you were pulling on the world, then you would smash deeper into the... You'd go, ah, when you'd be pulled into the world. You have to have balanced forces. So so each of us are lifting up the planet. Yes. That's or, nice. yes. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so the Earth is below you. It's pulling you down. In mm-hmm. this case, there's a hole underneath you, so that's exactly what happens. When you get to the centre, the Earth is on all sides of you pulling equally. Mm-hmm. You'd be effectively weightless, but travelling at your fastest speed. In mm-hmm. the second half of the journey, there's more Earth behind you, so you're not accelerating, you're decelerating. Mm-hmm. Because no other force is acting on you, you reach the same distance from the centre of the globe, but on the other side of the globe. Yeah. Assuming it's, a, it's airless. You're almost ahead of me. <laughs> please, so, please. Number one, if you depart from sea level on one side and the other side is on a mountain, you probably won't make it to the surface. <laughs> yes. Number two, if you depart at sea level, you may not make it to sea level on the other side or you may overshoot sea level. Sea level is designated by gravity of Earth, gravity of the moon, air pressure and local geography. The Pacific Ocean, for instance, is 20 centimetres higher than the Atlantic. Mm. Okay, number three, the tunnel must be a vacuum. Yes. This is your point. Air creates drag and you hit 50% of the speed of terminal velocity in three seconds and 99% of terminal velocity in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. At that speed, you'd maintain your speed until you got to the core and then you'd decelerate as forces acted upon you, quickly slowing down and being trapped, bobbing back and forth, passing the core as you hit terminal velocity for a fraction of a second and then decelerating again. Mm-hmm. Except in space, Grégoire, there is no drag. Mm-hmm. Depends who you're travelling with. <laughs> Sorry. On, on the starship Eddie Izzard. <laughs> if you're travelling at the ground from space, you'd pass through the upper atmosphere and slow down slightly. Mm. The closer you got to the ground, the more drag you'd encounter. Whenever, Warming up a lot, basically, as you... <laughs> well, whenever you're travelling faster than terminal velocity, you're compressing the air in front of you. This mm-hmm. creates heat. Mm-hmm. What happens when an object comes from space at speed, Gregoire? It burns up, usually. Catches fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get just, yeah. Bad things happen. Now, starting from sea level at our hole, you'd accelerate to around 200 kilometres per hour the air in the tube would become denser and denser as you got closer mm-hmm. to the core. Your terminal velocity would be constantly slowing mm. as you ploughed into something denser and your speed would always be 
just faster than terminal velocity, or at least faster than terminal velocity. Your trip would get quite warm. I'm not sure how warm, whether it was unpleasantly warm, cooked, or incinerated is something for the practical test section. <laughs> I'd go as incinerated. Saying, yeah, it, yeah, I think you would, you wouldn't, you'd be in trouble. It, it would depend on how fast it got thicker and how yeah. fast the yeah. drag slowed you down. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be good. It would be not, not pleasant at the very least. Because the guys, because well, like, the, the the main reason that things explode when they hit the atmosphere is because they are going at a ridiculous clip. Yes, but that guy who jumped yeah. out of a hot air balloon, he didn't catch fire. Yeah, well, he got to terminal velocity and and you stopped changing his terminal velocity. Like you know, it doesn't stop. So but his stop, terminal so. velocity was faster than. Normal terminal velocity because the air was thinner the, up there. Very thin. Yeah, that's right. The less molecules pushing on you. Yeah, to have a little shock wave as you mm. go through. You can actually travel faster than the speed of. He, I think, he said the guy fell faster than the speed of sound. I think he did. So it, a human being has gone faster than the speed of sound. Bumgarden. With a Bumgarden. Yeah, that's what that was his surname. Bum-garden. Oh, okay, right. Oh, there you go. Pretty sure. That's... Might have, I might have the inflection wrong. <laughs> at any rate, at some point, going down the hole into the thick air the air density would reach the point where you become buoyant. You'd come to a stop and find equilibrium in the medium. So we've got to get rid of the air. Let's say you tunneled from Singapore to Ecuador, both on the equator. The tunnel is a complete vacuum. It's a dead straight line. You jump down the hole and quite quickly grind up against the eastern face of the tunnel. (laughs) Yes. Imagine that instead of a hole through the planet, you instead shrunk the Earth to a dense ball, but with the same mass. You, however, stayed where Singapore used to be. Mm-hmm. You start your journey not travelling downwards at any speed, but then you quite quickly start travelling downwards at speed. Yep. But your sideways movement is equal to the rotation of the Earth. Mm-hmm. You end up falling forwards eastward towards the dense ball. You whiz past the dense ball and fling out the other side, stopping at the same point in Ecuador. Except that you wouldn't. Orbital mechanics are tricky, but if the Earth is all on one side of you when you're close to it, rather than going off at the same, like landing in Ecuador, you'd probably Mm. whip off in a different direction. Yeah, it it gets chaotic very quickly, Mm. yes. At any rate, perpendicular motion is going to bugger you up. So, Well, right now, where I'm standing right now in Perth, Australia... I'm traveling on the planet, on the surface of the planet, about 1,000 kilometers an hour, roughly. And the at the equator, it's traveling about 1,600 kilometers an hour. So the further you get away from the equator, the slower you go, depending on where you are. You, you'd be traveling slightly faster than me. All oh, right. Yes, of course so I would. You'd be doing 1,000, I'm guessing 1-1, one, 1-2, one, one, something like that. Maybe one, yeah, but you'd be going slightly faster than me because you're closer to the equator than I am. So Singapore to Ecuador out let's say you're at the north pole and the tunnel Mm. travels to the south pole Mm -hmm. the tunnel has had all its atmosphere removed it's a vacuum you Mm. know what those are don't you yeah i I don't know the name for them but yes i know what they do yes the force acting on you is one earth in front of you and no earths behind you Mm -hmm. this is the most force acting to accelerate you that you will feel You'd still have a torque on you, though, because you're standing with your feet at the north rotational North Pole, the, and so therefore you're spinning on the on, once on your own axis once every 24 hours. Yes. So you ha- so you do have a corkscrew motion as you go through the center of the Earth. Well, it's very slow, 24 hours, because your rotation will be 24 hours, yes. and your and you the travel will be 42. Thir- you will you will rotate through 10 degrees. 
Right, the there you go. Ah, you okay, through. there you go. Okay, ha ha, there you have it. <laughs> because uh, you can travel through in 42 minutes, and mm-hmm. that's three quarters of an hour, ah. two thirds of an hour, which means that in 36 hours, you would travel all the way around. Ah, uh-huh. yes. Okay, cool. So a quarter of the way through, it's reached a point where there's most of the Earth's density uh, in front of you and a little bit behind you pulling you back. Mm-hmm. Now, that amount isn't linear because of circles and sine waves and square laws and stuff. But the force in front of you will be, will start with all of the force in front of you, then most, 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 some, none. Yep. You okay. reach the centre of the Earth and the forces equal out. You're travelling the fastest that you will go. At this point, the forces acting to slow you down from that point on will be none, some, most, 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 all. Mm-hmm. But this assumes that the Earth is a homogenous mass. It's dirt mm. all the way through. Which is definitely not. No, it's not. There's another element working on you. So let's leave Earth behind and try the experiment with some space donuts. Excellent. We have five massive brick space donuts. They're all attached by a very tiny but very strong rod on the outside. This keeps them from separating from each other or Mm -hmm. crashing towards each other. Right. We are going to start on the outside donut, jump through to perform the same experiment where we're travelling at our fastest through the centre donut, then we're slowing down to get just to the other side of the donuts. Okay. When we're at the second donut, we have three brick donuts in front of us and one behind us. So we think that we've got three times the force on one side as the other, but that's not the case. No. Things that are closer have more gravitational pull. Inverse square law. You're passing through the centre of donut two, travelling at speed. Donut one and donut three are on either side of you or in front of you and behind you, cancelling each other out. Mm-hmm. Donuts four and five are still pulling at you, but are twice and three times the distance from you as donut three. Because of the inverse square law, there's a lot less force pulling you towards them than there are mm-hmm. for donuts one and three. Just for our listeners, what that means is that if you double the distance, you quarter the force on you because it's inverse square. So it's the square, so two becomes four, then you inverse, it's one on four. So just to give you an idea, uh, yeah, double the distance, quarter the force on you. Okay, so let's try again. But the outside donuts are made of marshmallow. Yeah. Mm. The centre uh. donut is made of iron. Oh, so that's not, no. Not tasty at all. No, no, no. Break your teeth. So when you start at marshmallow one, the donut, the main force acting on you is donut two made of brick. It pulls <laughs> you with a brick level force. Uh, yes. When you get to donut two, you've got marshmallow donut behind you, hardly pulling at you at all. And you've got iron donut in front of you pulling you super hard because it's so dense. Mm-hmm. As it gets closer, the strength of it intensifies and the forces acting on you increase. Your acceleration increases. You would have more mass pulling you than when you're at the first donut and you had mm-hmm. all of the mass on in front of you. So let's go back to the Earth. Earth has an iron core. It's incredibly dense. It does fit most. It's um, differentiated out because they all got hot when all the bits and all the big dense bits went to the center, and all the light fluffy bits went up, like and like non-homogenized milk. That's it. And all the like hydrogen and helium floated away, and not all of it, but most of it did. So yeah, it's it's a layer cake of horror, and we're gonna jump down the center of it. Mm, the tiramisu of death. 
As we're falling down our elevator shaft that is along the axis of the planet, in a vacuum, the mass of the closest parts of the planet affect us the most and we accelerate towards them. The planet behind us is less dense than the planet in front of us, and that density keeps increasing. So our Mm. speed is increasing, but the forces acting to accelerate us are increasing as well. Our acceleration is accelerating. (laughs) We'd fall slower than we initially expected first, but then we'd end up travelling faster through the core. So, Gregoire and Mm. Eric, Uncle Eric, I maintain that space (laughs) is balls. But counterintuitively, it would be easier to understand if it were donuts. Mm, I agree. It's the, the Homer Simpson theory of, of space travel. If my oral expl- explanation has confused you, there will be links in the show notes for that, uh, that concept, which, if you're a visual learner, might help you digest it. Previously on Smarter Than a Better, we have discussed the experiment of delayed gratification and how if you put a marshmallow in front of a child and say, you can eat it now, or if you can wait 15 minutes, I'm going to go outside. When you come back, if it's still there, you can have two marshmallows. Or if I jump through the center of a giant marshmallow, or Mm. I can wait 42 minutes and have the other giant marshmallow. There you go. Then, And there was an idea that maybe it showed people who are going to succeed in life. So there's been some evidence that's not a great experiment. Anyway, But anyway, there's the concept of delayed gratification. Well, it's been done on primates. Well, we are a primate, but non-human primates, and they can delay gratification. It's been done on corvids, birds, types of birds. They can also delay gratification. It's been done on dogs, though inconsistently. Mm. Dogs, dogs can't. It's not Labradors, surely. <laughs> uh, there's supposedly... no Labrador that can that can yeah. learn. It's to... not well. It's, supposedly, it's not even. It's just. It's not even breeds of dogs. It's some dogs are like, yeah, I did it this time. Next time they're like, nah. Next time they're like, yep. Yeah. They're like, nah. It's inconsistent. They're, they're yeah. They do it. When, they're, they're inc- they they can delay gratification when they want to. It seems like which I, <laughs> that's not. I how, think that's not what that no, means. Then. No, no, I know. <laughs> we love them. It's fine. Yay, dogs. But I have some disturbing news from the war front. Some of you may know me as Gregoire, but other people will know me as the Squid Finder General Wah. Some of you may not know, understand that I've been fighting for many years against the oncoming threat of the cephalopods, the footheads. Yeah, yeah, those guys are terrible. Oh, and those and awful I, cephalopods. I oh, worry about horrible, boneless uh, their brains and their W-shaped eyes that are actually better than our eyes. And, and then, they're and then, yeah, well, they're better. They're better eyes. They're better uh, brains. They're more. They tra- a- they're more charismatic nature. <laughs> I can sk- their yeah. ink is far thicker than mine. Uh, it's yeah. It's a whole thing. Now it's a diet thing. Like if you eat, if they eat, mm-hmm. if they eat. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, mm-hmm. no. You, actually, you go on. Okay. Good. Hmm. Anyway, as the Squid Finder General, I have made it my life's work to protect humanity against these animals, which are obviously going to take over once we blow ourselves up. And you are doing a very good job. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. you're squinting your eyes. Is that because you're not able to, like, crush them in and, like, see properly? Are your eyes imperfect in some way? (laughs) No, no, I'm fine. Anyway, thank you. Mine are not perfect either. Hmm. Yes. And certainly only see three colours. 
That's more than me, you son of a... <laughs> Moving on. Let me just That's write good. down a uh, unrelated note about weaknesses. <laughs> Moving on. I have some disturbing news from the cuttlefish front. I well, sometimes think the cuttlefish are actually our friends anyway. They're the fifth column, but maybe not. Cuttlefish can pass the, the gratification test. This is very disturbing news to me. Do we do we know that they just don't like marshmallow at all? No, no it's not. It's not much. It's not marshmallow. They designed a test where they would train cuttlefish to see if they would like. They give them something they they don't mind. So crab meat. If they with they knew that later on, if they didn't eat the crab meat, they'd get a, a much tastier shrimp handed to them later on. And and cuttlefish, but yep, sure, no problem. They learned very quickly. Oh, crab meat now, but if I don't eat crab meat, shrimp given later on. And they all they all did it, no problem at all. Different mm-hmm. sort of experiment, of course. They passed that, and so they designed another test. These scientists from Cambridge, the University of Cambridge, what they did is they would put a cuttlefish next to an open door and they would put something in there that they less preferred food, like raw king prawn, and they would have a much more enticing live grass shrimp in another closed container. So they could just leap into the one that's open door and get the raw king prawn, or they would have to wait for the door to open. Now, Ah. they would put different symbols on the door. So the square meant this door will never open. To the live shrimp. So mm-hmm. never open. Tough shit. You're not getting this uh, live shrimp. Sorry about that. Or they would put a circle on the door that would mean that the door will open straight away. So just they, you go in, boom, circle, and you can jump in and grab the live squid. Or a triangle meant that the door will open between 10 and 130 seconds. <laughs> if the cuttlefish dived in and grabbed the raw prawn through the open door straight away, they would instantly pull out the live grass shrimp and it would not get it. So it would watch its preferred prey get taken away from it. And they learned very, very quickly that when they saw the triangle on the door that was going to open in 10 to 130 seconds to wait, don't eat the prawn because the yummy shrimp is coming to you very, very soon. (laughs) They did this very, very easily. Then they so they proved how good they were with that one. They also did a test where they said if you have two boxes and if they were with a, a gray square and a white square, then one of the squares with the fish that they what they wanted was taken out, and they would be given the other one. So they'd be given the gray square or the white square. If the, the, the fish were swapped into the different boxes, the grey box and the white box, then the, the fish, the cuttlefish worked out very quickly to swap what was going to give it the nicer thing and would go for the one it was meant to go for. Mm. So they think that they connected these, these self-gratification ideas. So it seems that cuttlefish can be trained but also stop gratification. They know to wait. Why they've developed that, no one knows. But I think it's because they know right now they could take a few human beings from the from the beaches and suck them into the water and devour their brains. But with climate change being a thing, a lot more of our coastal area is going to go underwater. So if they just delay some gratification now, in 20 years' time, they'll have a much larger percentage of humans to eat. What that, do you think, Dan? That is astounding. That is absolutely astounding. My beak is on the floor. No, hang on, not beak. Jaw. My jaw is on the floor. We're going to. Uh, I'm going to send some inquisitors around to your home. I think to have a quiet chat. I'll be waiting patiently. What? 
What's that ink? Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where if we have made any mistakes, we are the audience members will be able to call us out and they alert each other to the mistakes made by the one, and then we get to delight in our knowledge being expanded. So, Greg, do you have any walks for me? Oh, oh, Dan. Oh, oh, Dan. You just have to say yes. You don't Sweet. have to gloat. So I'm not gloating, Dan. Yeah, oh, 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 yeah. yeah. all right, enough of that. Yes. All right, enough of yeah, that. I, I, let's, I, just, I, let's just get to the bit where we're all learning and happy to be learning. Here's one from Pedantic from America, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Thank you very much. At 50 minutes and two seconds, I love the accuracy, in episode 172, Dan mentions that negative 32 degrees Fahrenheit is the freezing point of water. This is very incorrect, as plus 32 degrees Fahrenheit is the freezing point of water. There you go. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, not negative 32 oh, degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah bucket that up. Yeah, that's fair enough. Did I, I didn't bug up the whole explanation, though, right? No, 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 no. You just, you just, you just. No, yes, yep. All multiply right. by negative cool. one for one cool. strange reason. All right. Now, this one is sort of. This is from Andy, and Andy has said it's really for both of us. But uh, look, I'll read it out to you. In episode one seventy two. Both yourself and Dan, as in Gregoire, and Dan talked about the UK Mars mission landing. Firstly, you both call it Beagle, when in fact it was actually called Beagle 2. Beagle was, of course, Charles Darwin's mission, and even if it had crashed on Mars, I feel this would have been a cause of celebration given the technology of the day. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's my favourite walk of shame for the last five years. (laughs) <laughs> However, the main point of this walk of shame is that Beagle 2 did not, in fact, crash, as you both state. Pictures taken in 2015 not only confirm the landing position, but also show that it was not a hard landing uh, or like a litho, a litho breaking. Uh, it, it rather a failure to de- fully deploy the solar panels, meaning it was unable to contact Earth, which leads to the failure of the mission. Had the panels fully opened to power the lander, it would have most likely been made a successful mission, which is probably sadder than a hard landing. I am sending this to Gregoire, as although you are both complicit in this shame, Dan mentioned it first, so he should own it. Plus, I've shamed you twice before, therefore it's Dan's turn. <laughs> but, so so there never was one? Because the story is that someone got the metrics wrong and then it crashed because it was trying to aim for 20... Like that's a, and, and the, the, I, Is that, that was, not and a thing? That, that's a different lander. So we've... we've com- We've mixed, messed up the Beagle 2 with oh. a different – the Mars Express, I think it is. That's maybe a walk of shame inside my walk of shame. Uh, I thought I'd written it down here and I realised I had not. Oh, I thought uh, there'd only been one. one screw- oh, so oh, my, no. my, big, my big screw-up is how, just how inept the UK space program is. It's really hard. I think it's one in two missions to Mars fail on some level. It's really, really high. I wonder it's, they're it's, always so excited when they no, <laughs> Absolutely. They're not all sitting there going, hooray, Dan can have scratch-resistant lenses now. It's it's like, oh, my God, 50, we just threw a billion dollars into space and it didn't come back. <laughs> That's a lot of Bitcoin. Like six. That's like six Bitcoin. Oh, God. Oh, now it's four Bitcoin. Now it's 20 Bitcoin. Now it's one all right, Bitcoin. All right, all right, all right. All right, well, I've got one for you. Please, yes. Michael Barnes relates that there was a conversation oh. where I at said, Barnes. and at what temperature does paper burn? And you went, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Yes. Which he says is not quite right. 
Damn it. Oh, what a shame that I've loved you. But it's literally correct. I did not literally correct, but literarily correct. Ooh. True, true, but that's Thank not you. really what we're after on a science podcast, no, is it? By, you know, now, yeah. th- there was also the bit where after you said that, I said correct, but we're not going to worry about that bit. <laughs> okay, so Bradbury's title refers to the auto ignition point of paper, the temperature at which it will catch fire without being exposed to an external flame. In truth, there's no authoritative value for this. Experimental protocols differ, and the auto-ignition temperature of any solid material is a function of its composition, volume, density, and shape, as well as its time of exposure to the hot temperature. Older textbooks report a range of numbers for the auto-ignition point of paper from the high 440s to the low 450s, but more recent experiments suggest it's about 30 degrees hotter than that. I just realised something, though, Dan. Yes? This means that the song by the Bangles is actually trying to point out the difference between the ignition point and when things start to burn. Is this burning an eternal flame? No, it's not, actually. It's 451. Like, what does walking like an Egyptian have to do with <laughs> any of this? You know, please go on. So, any more for me? Ah, uh, yes. I have a special one. I, I warned you. I warned oh, you. A I special like, one. Huzzah. Not a common one. I, I'm gonna. I warned you about this um, in the podcast. At one point in the podcast, last podcast, you decided to take a sideswipe at some of the nicest people on the internet. I mean, of course, the Vlog Brothers, John Green and Hank Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was like, um, you, you, you were like, damn, don't, don't, don't do, don't do that. And even, even the Frog Princess was like. God, you got real mean at the end there. Because <laughs> they're nice people. They do lots of really good things and they and they actually There's try to make... two sides to every story. I'm okay, just... no, no, stop. No, 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 no. Just, just not, please. Not, as... not, no? We've been friends for a long time. I would I would advise you now just to just to hold this inside for a moment and then just just, just for the moment. I'm doing it out of love, Dan. Slugger, champ. <laughs> All right. So this is from Janet. Uh, She's asked me to quote this, read this to you directly. So I'm reading quote. Okay. During episode 172, Smart Not to Count Dracula, at one hour and 16 and one hour and 17 minutes. too long. Podcast to do. No wonder I went off Manana. Dan tries to insult John Green by saying that he isn't smart enough to make things up. So he gave kids cancer (laughs) and documented it. Oh, God, as I read that, what have we done? What have you done to me, Dan? Anyway. Wait, did did. did he not give kids cancer? All right. Let me, let is me that what she's saying? Let me continue the quote. Uh-huh. This is only half correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Settle oh, down. please be the right half. John freely admits that he is incapable of creating fan- fantasy scenarios, but he also admits that he was a poor student in school, especially in mathematics and chemistry. He's completely incapable of giving ki- children cancer on every level you can conceivably articulate. It's accurate that he didn't make up anything for the book The Fault in Our Stars, though. He documented the dying days of many, many teenagers during his time as a children's hospital chaplain. Many of the most memorable lines of the book were things he witnessed during that time. In much the same way, he based the characters Augustus Waters and Hazel Grace Lancaster off of children he comforted during the final days. Notably, he was inspired to finish the book by Esther Grace Earl, for whom he created the Nerdfighter holiday Esther Day every August 3rd, which is celebrated by telling your friends and family that you love them. 
Green has stated that Earl was the one to suggest the idea of celebrating friends and family and love, specifically the kinds of love that are too often overlooked in our culture, love between family and friends. So I love you, Dan Beeston. Thank you for reminding me of this celebration. So there we go. So you're saying he was a chaplain who looked after young kids. Okay. Yeah, you're really doubling down on this. <laughs> always. <decided>. Always. <laughs> He's hiding something. He's hiding something. You, I, I'm telling Probably you. Probably his grief, Dan. Probably his emotional trauma. It's, you, everyone loved Joss Weird enough until recently. Oh, my God. You, you know, oh never my know. God. That, oh. Eddie Murphy and, and Bill Cosby, back then, if you'd asked which one was going to end up in prison for what they did, you would have got it wrong. Too nice. Never trust people who are too nice. That's why everyone trusts me. Anyway, thank you, Janet. Thank you, Andy, and thank you, Pedantic from America, Andrew, for those wonderful walks of shame. And, of course, Michael Barnes. Also, Steve Stewart. Oh, who caught you when you said, coal is not renewable. He says, I beg to differ, given the right conditions and enough time, millions of years, it is renewable. Humans are just impatient. Now, do you know how to make coal, Greg? Because in swamps and bogs, you get organic matter. Moss, shrubs, trees, these die and settle. This is called peat. Over many tens of thousands of years, this peat accumulates around one millimetre per year and compresses under its own weight. This squeezes the water out, compressing the peat to one-tenth its initial size. When it's under three or four kilometres of sediment, 30 to 40 million years after it was alive, it starts to transform into a metamorphic rock. Under this pressure, the temperature reaches 210 degrees Fahrenheit. Which is, a, which is a value I can now use because I know how to convert between them. The, the chemical reactions at this temperature convert it into coal. The process releases volatiles that compress it even more. It's, it's about 100 degrees C to a real thing, by the way. Just, I just want to say it. Well, yeah, you, you just take 210 degrees, you take away 30, mm. which is 180, and then, you re, and then you think about your virtual protractor, and 180 degrees is 100% of the, 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 the length. There you go. So, hundred degrees. Yep. You, you got it. You got it. You're I smart. did. I just wanted. I just wanted to explain because people who are like, "What are you talking about?" Anyway, okay, cool. It's so easy. No, no, no one was doing that because they were all doing the thing from last podcast. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. 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 Okay. Go I'm on. only ever using degrees Fahrenheit from now. Oh on. my goodness. The stages are organic. Starts as organic matter, then peat then lignite or brown coal, then bitumous or black coal, then anthracite or hard coal, and then potentially graphite. I thought that that wouldn't happen anymore because it would break down. The bits and pieces would break it down. So you may get – there are still peat bogs, of course, but I was under the impression that you wouldn't get seams of coal anymore. You'd get, you may get lumps of things – like you may get a peat bog, but you're not going to get a seam of coal because you know you can't get that much unless you have that much of an anaerobic environment that stops the things that break stuff down from from breaking it down. One thing that turned up is that a genomics expert, Dr. Iger Grigoryov from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, hypothesized that wood decay fungi that developed at the end of the Carboniferous period may have mm. broken down the c- cells of the trees before they could become peat. Mm-hmm. Yes, decays it. Yes, yes. Now, there was a drop in coal creation at the end of the Carboniferous period, but you know what else happened then, Gregoire? What's that? The end of the Carboniferous period. 
Dr. Julie Bailey is a cold geologist <laughs> at the Discipline of Earth Science, University of Newcastle. She mentions that this fungus arrives at the same time as a global ice age. The Ooh. amount of vegetation in environments that allow for peat creation dropped and it also froze so it preserved it better. So we don't see much coal from that period. It started up again in the Permian, then paused again at the end of that period. Any idea why? Uh, another cold snap. Coal creation needs organic material and 90% of all organisms uh, on the planet were wiped out at yeah, the end of the Permian. Uh, interesting, yeah. This is good news huh. though, Gregoire. Oh, good, good, excellent. The best environments for coal creation are hot, swampy lands. Mm. These environments will only increase as the planet warms. Our coal reserves are accelerating. And as Steve suggests, <laughs> we just have to be patient. Mm. Good, 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 good. But it can't get too swampy. You can't. You have to have land for it to develop on. In the end, if it goes underwater, you can't develop coal in the sea. That's not going to work. You have to have peat. Yeah, you can't have coal in the sea. You need organic matter, so yep. algae yep. and shrubs and trees and yes. But you moss. can't. You, would, you couldn't. You can't have lake. Are you kind of the bottom of the ocean covered in seaweed or kelp or something like that? And then that turns into coal. That won't work because you wouldn't be able to. Unless it was anaerobic, it was salty enough to if, – if it was so salty, it stopped everything from living down there and it fell to the bottom and then it got covered in sediment. Could that turn into – I don't know about mm. that. You always hear about these swamps and stuff and you think fresh mm. water and, and moss and stuff. I've never heard about coal seams being found that developed at the bottom. Always, always on continental I, crust, I not on oceanic crust. The thing is, if you're in the sea, there's no. Oh, there, there is. There are plants in the sea. It's all sea. Yeah, lots of plants. Stuff. Lots of plants. There's all sorts of phytoplankton and all sorts of exciting and things. And they absorb all sorts of carbon. Yeah, but they there are anaerobic areas of the ocean. Like that's a big part of like the seas start dying because there's mm. no oxygen in the water. So that would stop things living down there. Even extremophiles would have trouble. I wonder. I wonder if it's possible or if there's something else we're missing there. But anyway, Steve, thank you very much. That, that is really interesting. I I didn't honestly know that. I honestly thought that it stopped. That's the last time I checked that. But it hadn't stopped. It just slowed down. Oh, he just said the first bit. Oh, okay. So he well, just thank said, you, Dan. So I, 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 I made sure that either he was right or he was wrong. Because <laughs> at first I was like, he's wrong, he's wrong, I'll go find it. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's a bit more contentious than that. Yeah. Interesting. I love when science is a bit kind of we don't really know. So hmm. if Greg makes a mistake, please do email me, dan, at smartenough.com. And Dan never makes mistakes, so you will never have to send anything to Greg at smartenough.org. I did. I just did. You just pulled me up on three. It's .org, not .com, by the way. Did I say .com? Yeah, I think so. Oh, take a walk of shame. <laughs> that's mine. That's mine. No one write in. I'm taking that's mine. <laughs> 11 years, Dan. We've been doing this. 11 years. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. You know the drill now, folks. Buttons on the website, smartenough.org. Lots of show notes too. Yeah. So we are doing our pay it forward thing where we're talking about about other podcasts. Yeah, because we're part of the That's Not Canon group now. And we like to push other push. That sounds very... We like to promote other podcasts from the That's Not Canon group. We like to throw the podcasts into the cavern of discoverability. We like to throw other podcasts under the bus of, of listenership. 
I'd like to draw your attention to the Fictional Reality Podcast. James Ooh. Elliott is a games creator. He creates real games that exist outside the realm of computers. What? And so he interviews people who make board games and card games and puzzles and escape rooms. This subject matter I just adore. Like, I love game theory and practical applications mm. of gaming even though I, I, I can't stand playing most games. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really not that interested in playing board games and card games and stuff, despite the fact I've tried to make a card game. <laughs> Probably why it failed. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great podcast. So if you like board games and card games and that sort of stuff, check it out. It's the Fictional Reality Podcast. There will be links on smartenough.org in the show notes. Yay. Give it a listen. If you're a patron and you've been paying at least... $5 a month, then mm-hmm. I am going to read out your name. Yes. Well, I'll make trumpety noises in the background. So thank you very much to Britta Rogowski, Grania Maguire, Matty Toy, Lindsay Jenkinson, Phil Holland, Christopher Rebel, Avi Greenbury, Andrew Whitehurst, Steve E, Elizabeth Yunkin, Andrew Potts, Ivand, Ivand, Ivand. Ivan, Ilana Mitchell, and Matt Ewers. It's going to be impossible for me to cut that out because you, because you, you're sitting there. And it's going to the, the music's going to jump. I mean, it was jazz, so it it's supposed to do that. All right. Oh Lord, and then the rest of them. Okay, I I can't keep track of this. If you sign up to the How to Be Humble tier, which mm-hmm. we've always stated is fifteen dollars, and mm-hmm. very occasionally clarified as fifteen dollars US. Yes. If you sign up to that tier, I will abuse you. Mm-hmm. You can also join the Blimp Crew, the Comedy Blimp Crew, and pay what you want over five thousand. Uh, five thousand, and pay what you want over five dollars, and get your name read out. Or you pick supporter, and you don't even get a mention. Now still- I have to do so much friggin' damn administration, Greg. Uh. Steve Stewart and Tom Siri, both great. They pay fifteen bucks, and then they get abused. Right, good. Okay. Okay. Michelle Kedar sent uh, sent me an audio file to explain to me exactly how to pronounce his name because after a year and a very useful email, I'm still not getting it right. Was it Michelle Kedar correctly? Did you say it correctly then? Well, now that he, now he said his name so much that he's forgotten how to pronounce it himself. Here's a hint. <laughs> it is not Michelle Kedar. Oh, no. <laughs> Michael Barnes is a supporter. So I shouldn't mention him at all, but he's paying $11.67, which is such a ridiculous number. At first, I thought it was a code and that maybe he's a prisoner in the podcast listener factory. <laughs> then I translated it from the US greenback to the dollary do, and it's almost right. exactly $15 Australian. So I think he's right. trolling me. Right, yeah, but I was actually thinking 1167 was the when we think the Julian calendar started. So I was thinking he's trying to point out he's some sort of immortal fighter moving through time that he wants to take our heads as the prize. Oh no, oh no, mm. <laughs> look, look, either one could be possible. No more live events. <laughs> okay, now also Al Batson is in the How to Stay Humble tier, Morden O'Hare is in the How to Stay Humble tier. And Scott Driscoll is in the How to Stay Humble tier. So I don't need to abuse them anymore, but they're still in the How to Be Humble tier. So I've got to sort them out of that tier. What if I get confused and I accidentally give Morden a serve and Tom misses out? 
Yeah, and then finally, yeah. I've got Sean Seifkin, who's paying in great British pounds. He's paying enough to be in the top tier, but he's asserted that if my insults are too effective, that he may take offence, and that this is something I should be very concerned about. I don't know what game he's playing. Will he be disappointed <laughs> if the threats aren't strong enough? How do I find the sweet spot between Wimpy and Bully? Also, mm. he's a supporter, so I shouldn't really be naming him at all. He, mm, mm, if, mm. if I even mention him, I could end up in trouble, Greg. Yes, yep, yep. But I'm fine, though. They, legally, I'm, I'm, I'm in the clear, yes? You, you're the one who instigated all this. I don't no, think I think there's no evidence. I don't think there's any evidence of this. I don't think there's any evidence of this at all. Okay. What are you talking about? No. With all that I'm the, in mind. I'm the nice one on the podcast. You're the one who insults John Green. I'm just trying to point this out. Well, that's true. I mean, that checks out. <laughs> okay, so insults for the people I think I'm supposed to insult, right. but I'm trying to hit a middle ground. All right, okay. okay. Middling insults. Steve Stewart. Ted Lasso is a show on Apple TV. It's about an American who moves to the UK. Steve is from the UK, but he moved to America. So he's like the exact opposite of Ted Lasso. I really like Ted Lasso. Very good. <clears throat> Tom Seary is from Scotland. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? Nothing. No, no, nothing at all. Yep. All right. That's so mean. That's so mean. And there, and there are people you don't want to mess with. I'm just going to say, there's three million of them, and they're very angry people. There are three million people in Wales? <laughs> oh, God. They're going to kill okay. us all. And finally, Mikhail Kedar. Mikhail is... Actually, it doesn't really matter what I say. He won't hear it because he'll t- be too busy saying, Oh, my God, he pronounced it correctly! And he won't hear what I say. <laughs> and finally, Sh- Sean Seifkin. Oh, gosh, I'm worried about this one. I really hope I made the right choice and that I hit a comfortable middle ground. <clears throat> I hope your mum was that was that okay? Was that whoa, was that too strong? I can't whoa, tell. Whoa, Greg, Greg whoa, what, if, what if his mum is whoa, really sick and it hits a sore whoa, spot? I, I, like that whoa. would be a, that would be a terrible coincidence. Would, I have Gregoire it, oh. so much empathy for anyone in that situation, and to have me telling that. F- that he's sent at this sensitive time that I hope I mean that could be really upsetting I just just, Sean Sean Sean, I I hope that was okay and if your mum or or in fact anyone's mum is unwell at the moment I really hope that she gets better soon or that she deserves it like one or the other like maybe she deserves it maybe she's what have you done? What have you done? What has everyone done? I just, all I know somewhere out there, John Green's just crying. He's just crying. And John, don't cry, John. We love you. Don't, don't cry. This Please. is a smart enough production uh. in tandem with That's Not Canon. And as we always like to say, Tiramisu of Death. I've been lucky in my working life. I've never had someone who's just been utterly incompetent that just got protected. Maybe I'm that person, but, you know. Um, (laughs) Dan, we're not angry. We're just... 
Oh, it's a huge helicopter going over. I don't know if you can hear that. Sorry. It's like chicka, 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 chicka. Sorry. That's, that's not the, what the story is, by the way. That doesn't make sense. Dan, we're not angry. We're just a huge helicopter going over. That that would be. That's how I self-identify. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oof. Oof. You don't do that. Okay. Actually, I, I, I identify oh. as a train that goes in the road. I'm trams. <laughs> it's actually a good joke. It's but, a good joke. But they'll kill you. They, they'll just kill you. Nah, people have a good a, a good sense of humour about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't post it on Twitter. No, no, Ooh. no. Yep, all right. <clears throat> but surely our listeners are as bad as us. That's what makes them our listeners. It's not... But, Dan, it's not just your listeners. It can get out to someone else and then... We're not a secret cult of people who are talking in a, in a cave. Like it, it, it's well, just look at our the... numbers. Of course we are. No one's <laughs> talking about our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good point. Ah, sad, but, but fair. It passed my mind to create a smarter and a better NFT and actually trade, actually do it properly and go and create an actual NFT and a piece of art with some audio or something like that and put it all together and just sell it as smarter than the better's NFT and then see how much it trades for a year and see where it gets to. Like sell it for a dollar. One dollar. Who wants to buy an NFT? There it is. And just see where it ends up. Cool. Uh, and- um, I'll add a picture of us burning a bunch of baby harp seals into the, into the <laughs> yeah. thing. Because that will yeah. be a, a drop in the ocean if we end up doing an NFT. Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it will be. It, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, us, us, us just pumping carbon dioxide. A video of us putting the amount of carbon dioxide we've, we've pumped into the atmosphere. The NFT will pump. Us, hang on, it'll be the other way around. Us, That's a good us idea. Draw- us drawing out the, the carbon dioxide that our NFT will generate, planting this many trees, a million trees, this will be the, whatever it is. You know what I mean? In one year, we think our NFT will generate this much carbon dioxide. A carbon neutral NFT. NFT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of trees. That's a lot of trees. But we could go, we could go buy those trees from a company that sells trees. Like they do that, you know, as in they do, and you just go mm. visit them somehow. That's actually not a, that's a better idea than I had before. That's really good. I think it's really good. It's certainly po- a political. Uh, yeah, it's we're getting very close to KLF. You know, nailing a million dollars to the wall and calling it half million dollar art. We <laughs> certainly are. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> if our patronage would drop off. Who we are like we set a bunch of it on fire for art. Yeah, yeah. they're doing <laughs> what with my donation? I was all on board when I was buying abuse. <laughs> I was right the first time. <laughs> and the only time, thanks to my editing. <laughs> that story was sent to me by six different people. <laughs> Squid News. Squid News yeah. or Dinosaur Feather? Who, yeah, who yeah. do we send it to? <laughs> yes. My name is not Michael Keda, Darbeston. It is Michal Keda. Neither it is Mitchell Keda. It is Michal Keda, and you should know that Dan Beston. Another one, Michal Keda, is incorrect as well. As I already tried to explain like a year ago, Dan Beston, it is Michal Keda. Not even Michal Keda. Science is about learning, Dan Beston. Are you sure you should host science podcast with track record like this? My name is Michal Keda. He's like, okay. It's not Mitchell Keeter. It's not uh, Michael Keeter. It's uh, he, he just did this whole string of stuff. And at the end, I'm like, I feel like he just said the same name over and over again. 
and yet he managed to pronounce my name incorrectly three times. <laughs> 